Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. We are very pleased to welcome here to the studio, man, right in the middle of all of this action, Congressman John Yarmuth representing... Kentucky's third congressional district. Congressman, good to see you. Thank you, Bill. Always Welcome back. It's always a pleasure to be here. We uh, we know that every time you go home, uh, you get a really uh, nice welcome at the uh, at the airport in Kentucky. We learned about that from Wave Three down uh, Wave Three News down in Kentucky. Congressman John Yarmuth and Senator Mitch McConnell have returned home tonight from Washington, D.C. Not everyone at the airport was there, though, to give the Republican majority leader a warm welcome home. Mitch is a chicken! Mitch is a chicken! She's a chicken! With confirmation hearings taking place for members of President Trump's cabinet, opponents turned out, but Senator McConnell did not stick around long to hear their grievances. His motorcade sped off on the tarmac, bypassing the terminal. We did speak with Congressman <laughs> Yarmuth, who was welcomed by cheers. Listen and we'll to that. that for you tonight yeah. on Wave 3 News at 11. All right. That so you're nice. I don't usually get that every time I come home, but... That was nice. Sounds like you won the Super Bowl or something, man. That's pretty great. Yeah, it was funny because Mitch and I were actually walking off the plane together, actually talking, and uh, we got to the end of the jetway, and his his guys were there, and they said, uh, Senator, you, you'd better hang back, which I didn't really know what they meant, but anyway, I kept walking, and of course, then I found out they, they were aware that there was a protest out front. So you had uh, called all of those people and told them to come down to the airport. Uh, and did you pay all of those people to come down to the airport? <laughs> uh, no, you know, Mitch usually doesn't uh, send me his travel schedule before, <laughs> beforehand. So uh, I had no idea he was going to be on that it flight. It reminds me of all these people who are turning up at these town halls all around yeah. the country. And uh, this is starting to shake up some Republican members. I mean, Jason yeah. Chaffetz, among, Chaffetz yeah. among others. Chaffetz? Chaffetz, Chaffetz, yeah. Chaffetz. Uh, and, and his response was that these are all paid protesters. Yeah, well, you know, that's nonsense. And, of course, we are seeing it all over the country. I, you know, they formed one of the offshoots of this movement has been the, the indivisible movement that um, is kind of an activist organic group that has yeah. uh, grown up. There are 50-something chapters in Kentucky right now. Really? Of, of indivisible. Uh, we had a, we had of course the same, the same day as the women's march in Washington. We had an event in Louisville. About five thousand people showed up. Just incredible energy. Uh, I I recognized an awful lot of them. They were not being paid. Uh, we did a we did a session on a Sunday afternoon about affordable, the Affordable Care Act. Five hundred people showed up. So it's it's going on everywhere, and it's you know the question is going to be whether it's sustainable, and uh, you know we hope clearly it, it will be. We'll see. Yeah, but it's Trump's really, certainly giving people enough motivation. Yeah, yeah. it's really. I mean, you know, we we call it the resistance, right? I mean, yeah. Kind of broadly too, and it is it's really 
it's homegrown, it's full of energy, it's total grassroots, and uh, it's just people are just boom. Right. Yeah, we just had our retreat last week, as you know, the Democratic caucus, and one of the big issues was how do we uh, kind of uh, marshal this this energy to work for Democrats? And I said, why would we want to? I mean, let it. We don't want to co-opt this group. They are organic. We want them to vote for us, and we certainly should encourage that. But in in any way, trying to incorporate them in a in a partisan movement is probably a big mistake. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I agree. By the way, I don't think you could do it anyway. We probably couldn't do it, yeah. That's right. Yeah, right. So um, your reaction to the news uh, that Michael Flynn, originally we were told, stepped down, and yesterday we were told at the White House uh, that, no, Donald Trump told him he didn't have any trust in him any longer. 24 days into the job, get out of here. And, and uh, less than 24 hours after Kelly Conway said, yeah. Kelly Ann Conway said he had... Uh, complete faith in uh, in uh, Flynn. So, you know, what's what's clear is what's that they can't... What's it mean for this White House? Yeah, well, they, they you know, I think it's, it says uh, about Kellyanne Conway that she's out of the loop. I think that's one thing. And, you know, I know that CNN, CNN refused to have her on. I, I heard this morning that uh, Morning Joe won't have her on anymore. Um, I think that's appropriate. Uh, she clearly is not yeah, willing please. to give you an honest answer. And, and now it's clear she doesn't know. So, which is even even worse. So, uh, you have a, a an administration which is run by amateurs, and and they they just have no idea what they're doing, and that's very frightening uh, because of the you know we we see in all the agencies right now there's nobody with any authority at any of the agencies. They are getting some secretaries, but all the undersecretaries and so forth are not there. Uh, clearly, the White House staff is in disarray. So it, it's a pretty pretty alarming it's scary. first month. Yeah, right. It's it scary is. to think yeah. that this yeah. is how our country's running right, right now. And, and we, then you, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just, well, we were particularly offended um, that you have been in here many times uh, as a guest. You never told us about the Bowling Green Massacre. <laughs> well, we try. That's, it's, that's a black mark on our history. Yeah. We, try, yeah, 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 we yeah. try to suppress. <laughs> I had a group in yesterday that was, I had a group uh, in, in the office yesterday. One guy was from Bowling Green and was talking about a, a plant that he had and his company had in Bowling Green. I said, well, it's a good thing you escaped the, the Bowling Green massacre. <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, that was hysterical. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, I actually hear, I, I actually think I had a role in, in uh, that. I was listening to the radio in my car when, when uh, Kellyanne said that, and I immediately called my chief of staff. I said, I don't believe what I just heard. That she said the Bowling Green massacre, and I'm very sensitive to that because just the day before, Rand Paul had talked about planning attacks on these terrorists, planning attacks on Bowling Green, which they weren't. Yeah, uh, there were never attacks planned on Bowling Green, certainly not executed on Bowling. Green. And so my chief of staff called my communications person. He checked the clip out, called a reporter in Louisville. He saw it, tweeted, and went viral. So well, good. I mean, I mean, not that it wouldn't have happened anyway. No, but she had said it twice before, yeah, yeah. and nobody picked up on it. Yeah, right. And so this time she got called on it, yeah. and, uh, and and as you say, um, now a lot of the cable news are saying we don't have her on, or maybe you know you put liar liar pants <laughs> on fire uh, underneath her when she's right. when she's up there. Uh, back to, back to the so here you have what we know uh, from the White House, and I think again I just spent a half an hour talking about all the things that we don't know yet. Um, but Michael Flynn was in contact with the Russians. 
We've got the transcripts of the calls, which were not released. He was talking to them about sanctions before Donald Trump even even took over, whether he broke the law or not may be another question. And now the New York Times reporting this morning and others and the Washington Post that there were multiple contacts between the Trump operation, the campaign, the transition, all before Donald Trump. And, and, and then we know they were hacking the DNC, hacking the Clinton campaign. And, and in touch with the intel- Russian intelligence. Russian intelligence, yeah. Which is even more suspicious because if you were, I mean, I can see where a transition team would want to have contacts with the diplomatic corps right. but, from Russia, mm-hmm. but not the intelligence community. Which, you know, that just so, kind of lends much more credence to the, all the claims about manipulating the election and sharing the, the WikiLeaks things. So, so know, that, you yeah. add all of that up, right? Clearly, clearly that would trigger a first-class congressional investigation starting in the House of Representatives. Going to happen? Well, I think the Intelligence Committee will will work on this, but the Intelligence Committee is going to do secret work. And the question is whether, if that, whatever their investigation shows, will they be able to disclose anything to the American people that helps us get a better understanding of what's, what's gone on. Uh, I think there has to be a public component to this investigation, and that would have to come through the Oversight Committee or... And it could be the Foreign Affair, Foreign Relations Committee. I, I'm not sure, but there has to be a public discussion of this. Uh, well, uh, Jim, if we have Paul Ryan yesterday, uh, Speaker Ryan, right? Uh, he didn't seem to be too um, eager, let's say, to tell his chairman, you better get to work on this. I'm not going to prejudge circumstances surrounding this. I think the administration uh, will explain the circumstances that led to this. Um, the Intelligence Committee has been looking into this thing all along, by the way, just involvement with respect to Russia. Yeah, but as you say, do, do we know about is that? that? Is, is that and, satisfactory and, and enough I, I for did, you? I did hear him say the re, the administration is going to have to explain it. Well, yeah, well, that'd be nice, but so far <laughs> they haven't shown a willingness to do that. Um, you know, when I I was thinking about this this morning, that I remember a time I was a staffer on in the Senate on in, in the seventies during the Watergate hearings, and I remember the most dogged uh, seeker of truth on the Watergate in, committee was Howard Baker. Yeah, right. Uh, the Republican who was going after his own party's administration. Mm-hmm. And he kept asking the question, what he did is, he know? That was his question. What did he know and when, and when did he know it? And I think of that attitude about partisanship in these scandals. And now I look at and see what people like Rand Paul, my senator and friend, saying Republicans, it doesn't make sense for Republicans to investigate Republicans. Well, if, if if it doesn't make sense, then we Democrats are willing to do it. <laughs> Just send mm-hmm. us in, Coach, you know. Uh, but somebody has to do this. And, and this is – I don't think anybody can argue that it, the, the potential ramifications of this whole situation with the Trump administration, the Trump personally, and Russia uh, represents a potential threat to national security. And if that's the case, it can't be partisan. And I, I think Rand would probably love to have those words back. Uh, it cannot be a question of Republicans investigating Republicans. This is Americans t- trying to investigate a potential threat to our security. Right. We're here from our nation's capital, joined by Kevin Barron, executive editor at Defense One. Kevin, good to see you. Thanks How you again doing? Thanks for coming in. 
Uh, well, I'm a little nervous, uh, and I, I figure if anybody knows what's going on, you will. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm from uh, the, the born Californian, yeah. but born in Delaware, right? Native Delaware. And now I learned that there's a Russian spy ship spotted off the Delaware coast. I heard this, yes. What's going on? What's, it, well, if we know about it, it's not a very good spy ship. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. It's not uh, a sub, but it's a surface ship. Are they yeah, I, I didn't read it. playing games? What I mean? I, I didn't read into the details of the account. I saw the headlines. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, it's not new to have a, a Russian spying on the Americans of any sense. Um, it is a provocative, you know, I think this is a version of a flyby. You know, we were hearing a lot about the well, the aircraft that are buzzing NATO and American well, ships. I was just going to get to that. They're this going is, around, right. going around Japan, going around Norway. So, right. so here's this. Um, what I will say, I think this is something that the Pentagon has, has, has been way out ahead of and expected for a lot. And it comes with – there's a little bit of a thread to the background of it. So the day before, the weekend before, we had this Russian cruise missile launch. Yeah, There was right. worry about Russian cruise missiles. Cruise missiles can, can carry nuclear weapons. Um, how do you defend against them? Um, and isn't that missile launch against the treaty that we signed with Russia? Yes. Well, yeah, the test of, of, of it is. Um, right. So – the, politically, you know, bringing it here to Capitol Hill, there's been a movement for the last few years by some Republicans and East Coasters to have East Coast missile defense. So if you think of, you know, ICBMs coming from yeah. Russia, there are, there are two sites. There have been ones in California, in your state, and ones in, in Alaska. There was talk. We need one on the East Coast. But the reason they want the one on the East Coast, it's not for necessarily Russian missiles coming. It would be for the potential of Iranian missiles. Well, Iran doesn't have ICBMs yet. This is something, even if they were on their way to it, it'd be 15 years, 20 years out. So it's considered a, you know, the Hawks and Kelly Ayotte was, was a big proponent of this. We got to have East Coast missile defense. It'd be a multi-billion giant thing. You know, missile defense is precarious yeah. anyways. It doesn't work so well necessarily. Um, it was thought of like, wow, that's, that's really a threat that we don't need to defend against now. That's so expensive. Others thought, no, that's the point. You've got to do it now so it's in place before Iran or anybody else has this missile. Other than an ICBM threat was this kind of threat, an actual missile coming from a sub or ship much closer. So you remember the, the runaway blimp a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. The, yeah. So the, the J-Lens, which technically isn't a blimp because it doesn't move. It's an aerostat. Yeah. It's a balloon on a string. Army wanted us to hang, to float those in the air along the East Coast. We wrote about this on Defense One. My Marcus Weisgerber, our business reporter, wrote about it. The point was to set up a radar, basically a radar net to detect, to detect these so we can launch other medium-range mm -hmm. interceptors that could shoot down those kind of missiles. Um, because you need radars higher in the sky to have a right, wider reach, something between satellites and ground base. So but, this all comes full circle to, and now here we yeah. are. We have a ship off the coast. Right. You know. So if you add up the ship off the coast, the cruise yeah. missile launch, and and these flybys that we've seen now on two different occasions, right, over— Oh, uh, more than that. More than is that, that right, sure, over, sure, over sure. Amer American ships, which are— Close enough to be kind of closer than they ought to be, right? right? Yeah, and they're, and they're provocative attacks. They're absolutely provocative. They're they're you know and, against and, the norms of the sea, you know. And so then you've got but Donald Trump saying all these nice things about Vladimir Putin and wanting to have a good relationship uh, with 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 Russia. Uh, and yesterday, James, we can at the briefing, uh, Sean Spicer sort of stunned all of us when in talking about Russia. He was talking about, I mean, everything I've heard about from Donald Trump about Putin is all very positive, right? Uh, Every, he, everything he said except, I think, that when it came out that in that first phone call, suddenly um, Trump took a hard line on the New START treaty and, and any reduction of nuclear weapons. That was right. curious. So, so talk more into so that. So Spicer, Spicer yesterday tells us about how tough 
Donald right. Trump is on Russia. Well. The irony of this entire situation is that the president has been incredibly tough on Russia. He continues to raise the issue of Crimea, which the previous administration had allowed to be seized by Russia. And he said yeah, they demand allowed. that get out of Ukraine and return Crimea. So, I mean, yeah. where is the evidence that Trump has been so tough? Yeah, I, th- I think that was about as th- a thinnest statement as could come out of the White House. I mean, factually, you know, uh, this, the, the, the president ran on a campaign of he was going to do more than just a lot of talk. And all Obama did was talk and wave their fists and wave papers and documents as, as Putin just steamrolled his way into Europe, well, through, through Crimea. Um, and the fact is, I mean, we're only, again, we're, only, we're, not, we're not even a month into this presidency, so I don't know what he could have done to be tough on Russia other than talk, talk, talk. I will say if, if there's any devil's advocate to this, including these, these tweets from Trump just this morning about, you know, Russia, look, he, he did in that first phone call, he took a hard line on, on nuclear weapons. We're not sure why or what the point of it was, because a lot of people think if, if, you're gonna, if there's going to be a reduction, it's going to help the United States more than Russia. If you pull out a new start, you're hurting the United States because you, have, you lose eyes on the actual nuclear arsenal in Russia. There are verification procedures that disappear if that ever happens. We've had, you know, officials write about that. Uh, that with this idea of Trump's that, you know, bring your enemies closer, that somehow he's just keeping, you know, Putin as yeah. close as he can because he's going to deal with him. That's all fine. I, I w- if, but if you really want to look, look at some sort of metric to this, look to the troops on the ground. Obama has put in place, and with NATO, a much larger, much more robust ground force right on the edge of Eastern Europe. And this, this came as, you know, two years ago we were going to, the United States was going to reset after Iraq and Afghanistan and pull, pull troops back home and, and, you know, have this new era of, of kind of getting their, getting their feet back under them, pulling tanks out of, and, and units out of, out of Europe. Because of, of Crimea, because of Putin, that was all reversed and then some. So you have additional battalions, mm-hmm. additional brigades. You've got more forces. So far, there's zero indication of, of, from Trump or, frankly, from Secretary Mattis that they're going to roll any of that back. And Mattis is at NATO today. It's one of, the, one of the regular meetings of the defense ministers. So look to see what comes out of there for the reality of what the United States thinks about Russia and, and, what, and the posture of the military versus what Trump thinks and is saying in this, in this political rhetoric land. That's a lot different than... Troops on the ground, number of tanks, positions. Keep your eye on both of those things. All right. Kevin Barron here from Defense One, DefenseOne.com. Uh, so much is happening so fast uh, that we kind of, a lot of things are not getting the attention that they deserve, I guess is what I'm getting at, uh, including this one military action so far on the part of the Trump operation, which is the, uh, the, the raid on Yemen where one Navy SEAL was killed. What's what, what really happened there? And um, was it, I mean, how well was it planned? And um, what was it all about? Well, I, I'll, I'll flip your intro around and say, I think, you know, this is the one, this is an example of everybody is suddenly paying attention to the war on terrorism because there was one KIA and some tr- and because of the civ casualties and the daughter of Alaki, the American, the yeah. girl getting killed. You know, these raids are going on daily daily across the the mina and they just they're not reported on a lot of them are told to the you know defense press and we get indications of them um but they're just daily operations and they're going after on the part of our military united states united states special operation forces are the the ones who are doing the trigger pulling and fighting and dying you know in a war that is going on uh whether americans know about it or care about it or not daily this is happening we we get notice notices when the pentagon decides to that whoever they've killed uh, is worth mentioning that this is you know so and so name and he was so and so job and we've been going after him for a long time so this is a case where 
uh, if they were going after the, the, you know, the head of al-Qaeda on the peninsula, had they got him, we would have heard about this raid anyway. Instead, the, the reports came out ahead of, of, the, American, uh, of the American side's bill, you know, the Pentagon press shot, meaning it was Twitter. It was on Twitter and on social media that suddenly there were reports from Yemen of, of, you know, of people in Yemen and activists watching that, that t- conflict. Something had gone wrong. A helicopter had gone down. It looks like the Americans have done a raid. I see these all the time. Every day you'll hear, it looks right. like the Americans are raiding this town in Syria oh, right wow. now. Hmm. Um, but then you don't hear anything about it because they come and they go. So here we are. Was it, a, was it a raid? Was it a good raid? Was it a bad raid? Was it a success or failure? Um, I talked to General Thomas yesterday, General Thomas, the Tony Thomas, TT, T2, the head of Special Operations Command. Uh, they happened to be at a conference in Bethesda the, uh, going on yesterday and today. Um, he gave the keynote and he talked to a few of us journalists afterward. Um, and we asked him flat out, was it a success or failure? And to none of our surprise, he says, that's not how we... We don't use that metric. We know the military doesn't say victory anymore, not in the war on terrorism, and they know why. This is an ongoing yeah. conflict that could go on forever. And so to, to try to characterize it like that is something we stopped doing in the briefing room five, six years ago. You know, like when are we going to find victory in Iraq, victory in a war? And that's not their metric for it. Um, I heard that, you know, the day after this happened, I talked to a couple of sources who said, you know, it was a tough day for our guys, but it, would turn, it sounds like it was a good raid. They got the information they were going for. Now, as it all came out more and more, yeah, sure. It's never a good raid when you lose when you, first of all somebody gets killed that's bad uh, when you lose the the equipment and a helicopter that's bad when there's civilian casualties that's bad so yeah a lot of things went wrong they did and get, also the information you know, they terrible. got right I mean I one report I read that they they were bragging about uh, all the stuff that they captured and that these were old this was old nothing new was, these were old tapes I, I haven't old. followed it that that much since so maybe yeah that may that might be the case. Absolutely being the case. You know, but Yemen is interesting, too. We've written about how we've had articles about how Yemen is kind of the what we call the graveyard of the Obama doctrine, the idea that you can, you know, train up local forces and let them fight it for you. You know, the Obama administration did not want a public fight in Yemen. They kept it very quiet. I think a lot of special operators wanted to do more there early and were not allowed to. Um, and but there's a but there's so there are actions that need to be taken. And in this case, if you have a chance to go after the uh, head of Al Qaeda or something like that, they're going to take that raid. They're going to hop over from Djibouti and go get Yemen. Right there. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Uh, well, let's review here a little bit about the white official White House um, version uh, of events and the questions that still remain unanswered, even if you accept the White House version of events, which we do not necessarily do so because... There are too many holes in it. Yeah. And because they have changed their story so many times. I mean, remember, they told us originally, Monday, that uh, Michael Flynn has resigned because he feels that he's just become a distraction uh, to the president. So he just wants to do the right thing on his own, made this decision to get out of his way. Uh, Yesterday at the White House, I was there for the briefing. We almost fell off our chairs when Sean Spicer started his briefing 
Well, he didn't start his breathing. He delayed and delayed. Once he finally got to the Michael Flynn stuff, uh, after we had to listen to Steve Mnuchin, the new Treasury Secretary, spout off about nothing, uh, Sean Spicer started hit that the Flynn portion briefing by saying, no, the news is, the truth is, the word is, Michael Flynn did not resign. Donald Trump fired him. He fired him not because he had done anything illegal. He kept insisting there were no, there were no, the laws were not broken. There was no legal problem here. It was a problem of trust. We've been reviewing and evaluating this issue with respect to General Flynn on a daily basis for a few weeks, trying to ascertain the truth. We got to a point not based on a legal issue, but based on a trust issue, where the level of trust between the president and General Flynn had eroded to the point where he felt he had to make a change. And uh, that, so Donald Trump losing confidence. And why did he lose confidence? Because, again, uh, we were told uh, that uh, Michael Flynn, with his, in his conversation with the ambassador uh, on Christmas Day, had indeed talked about sanctions. Uh, we know that because the FBI is conducting an investigation. We know that because they listen in on any phone calls the Russian ambassador makes, and they had the transcript of the call in which he and Michael Flynn talk sanctions. Michael Flynn said he did not. He told the Washington po pardon me, the Washington Post that, and he told Vice President um, Mike Pence that. Mike Pence went out on um, January the fifteenth, two days after the Post had first reported about the Flynn. Kislyak calls. Um, Mike Pence went on Face the Nation um, and um, denied that there was any conversation about sanctions uh, based, again, on what he'd been told by, um, by uh, National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Flash forward to the, so we got January 12, first Washington Post report, January 15, Mike Pence on national television denying it. January 26, the White House hears from the acting attorney general, Sally Yates, she tells the White House counsel, I know your guys out there saying he didn't talk sanctions with um, uh, the Russian ambassador. You guys may have a problem because we've got the transcript and actually he did. And therefore, Michael Flynn could be that the Russians might have enough information on him. They could blackmail him over a, an outright lie. The counsel, White House counsel, goes right to President Trump and says, we got a problem. We got to deal with this again. According to Sean Spicer, President Trump and the White House counsel agreed that the, Michael Flynn had not broken the law, but there was a question about could they trust him anymore. That was on the 26th of January, and it wasn't until where are we? Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, two days ago now, less than two days ago, Monday night, that Donald Trump finally came to the conclusion. He couldn't trust Michael Flynn anymore, and he fired him. So that's the sequence of events according to the White House, if you believe it. But it does leave a lot of questions unanswered, a lot of questions unanswered. And maybe we can get some of the answers to those questions if Congress would get off its butt uh, and have a, an investigate this matter. In the House, there doesn't seem to be any interest at all in an investigation into the connections between the Trump operation both during the campaign and the transition and now the White House and the Russian government and Russian intelligence agencies. Maybe there'll be more interest in the Senate. Well, let's find out. We, uh, 
Hadn't planned to visit with her today, but we're very excited. On our listen line. That our good friend, <laughs> Senator Amy Klobuchar, listening in, called and said, love to join us this morning. And we welcome the great senator from Minnesota here to the program. Senator Klobuchar, good to talk to you. Well, thanks, Bill. It's great to be on. Thank Lots you. going on around Oh, here. my God, yeah. Now, we do want to mention, of course, you were on the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, mm-hmm. and recently came back from a trip to the Baltics um, with Senator McCain and Senator Graham. I'll bet the Baltics are pretty nervous about Russian influence and Russian plans right now. Did you find that? Uh, they are, and there is a record number of volunteers signing up for their military. We also went to Ukraine and Georgia, went to Ooh. the front line with the Ukrainian troops on New Year's Eve uh, with President Poroshenko. And, you know, 10,000 people have been killed in that country uh, since Russia illegally invaded Crimea as well as eastern Ukraine. And it is something that finally people are paying attention to. But uh, one of the things that I was most shocked by and what is relevant to everything that's been going on yesterday uh, with the Flynn resignation um, is that what happened in America with that election was not unique. It wasn't just one candidate, wasn't just one political party, not just one country. Seven years ago, in 2007, in Estonia, uh, the Estonians moved a Russian statue of a soldier from a square to a cemetery, and the Russians didn't like that. What they do, they shut off their Internet. In Lithuania, they invite members of the Ukrainian parliament that were in exile from Crimea to their 25th anniversary celebration of independence from Russia. What does Russia do? Hack into their parliamentarians' accounts. Mm. This is a modus operandi. They've been doing this all over the world. That is why President Obama put those sanctions on, and as we know, as the rest I've splashed on every front page of every newspaper. The day he put those sanctions on, which were widely supported, uh, was the day that uh, that Flynn called up the Russian ambassador. And we don't know exactly what was said, but clearly the implications are that assured him that something would change with the Trump administration. Right. Now that Michael Flynn, uh, we were originally told, has resigned. Yesterday we were told Donald Trump fired him. Is that the end of the story when it comes to uh, Trump connections to the Russian government? Well, of course not. Today uh, we learn, and the public learns at least, uh, that there have been numerous contacts made between the Trump campaign and Russian intelligence. Obviously, many of these have been recorded, it appears, over time, and there's reasons that people at least know if they don't have the recordings. They know the contacts have been made because... Um, though we, that is not out of the ordinary at all that our country would be tracking what's going on with the Russians. And so I think that uh, whether or not those people knew they were going to be tracked, they were tracked. And the kind of things we've been hearing from the president, including this morning, uh, where he tweeted out that this was somehow all of this is going on yeah. to make up for Hillary Clinton's right. campaign. Are you kidding me? This is a serious threat, not just to our democracy, but to all democracies around the world. You can't just let this happen and have a foreign government try to influence our election and do nothing about it. And then the response would be to placate them, to say, oh, hey, uh, Putin's a strong leader. I mean, those are the things we're seeing. So I think the questions we want answered and why way back on January 4th, uh, we came out, a few of us, for a bill for an independent commission with the representative Schiff in the House and Senator Cardin and myself. Um, and we came out uh, for a bill that puts that independent commission in place because we want to know, 
You know, it's not just Flynn. Who were they talking to? What was said? When did it happen? And most importantly, why? What is the motivation and what does that mean for America and our foreign policy and our democracy? And, and that's why we think it's so important to have the independent commission. Uh, an independent commission, which, as I understand so far, Senator, uh, uh, Senate Leader Mitch McConnell has said there's no need for, correct? He has said that. And I will say, Bill, the Intelligence Committee is really important. They're doing their investigation. I have a lot sure. of faith in Mark Warner um, and really everyone on there. And, and you know that Senator McCain and Graham for months um, have been way out there on this in terms of pushing that this was wrong and that we needed to get the facts. And so while they are not on the bill for the Independent Commission, they've clearly been leaders in saying that we need to uncover the facts. So I, my position is let the Intelligence Committee do their work. There is no reason we can't do both things at the same time. And the big, um, a big difference, and, right, is, is that the Intelligence Committee does their work behind closed doors, right? The, the Independent Commission would be public hearings. Is that um, right? That's correct. That's correct. And also we can have judiciary hearings that Lindsey Graham is pushing for. Um, so I'm hopeful we'll have those on our committee as well. Um, but the bottom line is we have to get out what classified information that they can discover is important, what can be unclassified is important, of course, to get to the truth. And then also we've got to find out um, everything about how we can prevent this from happening in the future. So, Senator Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, our guest here on the Bill Press Show this Wednesday, February 15th. One of the big questions that, that we've been trying to, uh, that I think is, remains unanswered is, and Senator Graham spoke to this the other day, I'd love to get your take, did Michael Flynn go rogue? Did he act on his own, or was he directed to make that call? We don't know that, and you know I'm a former prosecutor, I like to see the evidence first, and we do not know that, but certainly the American people have a right what, to know that. What's and your when gut you tell hear you? about all of these contacts with the campaign through the last year with the Trump campaign, it makes you think he certainly wasn't the only person <laughs> talking to Russia. We know that Paul Manafort, the campaign chair, resigned over his connections with Russia. It's not just one resignation that happened yesterday. It is what's been going on for the entire past year. What is your take? Uh, yeah, and I, I, the, so Senator Graham said it's a, more likely, right, that he was advised and okay. a part of a, yeah. a, a, an ongoing operation, which, as you point out, we learned overnight about all these contacts, uh, Paul Manafort uh, and others, throughout the campaign, throughout the transition. So we are, um, and I know you've got to go soon. I'll make this my last question, Senator. So we're less than a month into the Trump presidency. Um, what's your impression of what you've seen so far? Well, it's been a lot of chaos, and it's been uh, a lot of things that no one, I think everyone knew with his campaign promises, right? And there, we, I knew that he'd be doing things that I didn't agree with. Okay. But did I ever think he would put out this broad refugee ban that would affect every country in the world and, you know, thousands of people in my own state? No. Did I think he would do it without vetting it? with the people on the front line and cause legal people that are supposed to be here or just going for a funeral and want to come back to not be able to come back to our country? No, I didn't think they would go that far. So I think what's made people real is not the fact that he's making good on some of his promises, but it's the methods, it's the language, it's the tweets, it's the continuation of a campaigning 
instead of switching to governing, which is a very different challenge and really something when you're president of the United States, um, you know, we always say you try to find common ground. You really have to find higher ground in terms of being the president for all people and not just the people that elected you. And it doesn't feel that he's made that transition. And that is like the understatement of the year. Hey, thanks so much for getting in touch with us this morning, Senator. And Thank thanks you. especially for joining us. Look forward to well, catching up with you again soon. All right. Thank you, Bill. Bye. The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, welcome to Flynn Ghazi. Yeah, the stuff hit the fan yesterday with word that Michael Flynn didn't resign. He'd been fired, fired by Donald Trump because they say that Trump lost trust in Michael Flynn. But uh, that doesn't mean the end of the story. That's just the beginning. There's so many unanswered questions like who told Flynn to call the Russian ambassador in the first place and discuss sanctions? Was it uh, Flynn going rogue, or did somebody direct him to make that call? And if somebody did, could it have been the president-elect Donald Trump himself? Even before that, during the campaign, is it true, as the New York Times reports today, that lots of people from the Trump campaign were in touch with the Russian government and Russian intelligence agencies? What did they talk about? The FBI says they questioned Flynn about his call with the Russian ambassador Shortly after January 20, did he lie to the FBI? And if he did, will he face criminal charges? And if Trump was informed by the White House counsel on January 26 that Michael Flynn had lied about his talks with the Russian ambassador, why did Trump wait until February the 13th to fire him, meanwhile leaving Michael Flynn in charge during those three weeks? And finally, why on Air Force One last Friday, flying to Mar-a-Lago, when asked by reporters, Donald Trump said he didn't know anything about this problem with Michael Flynn, but he would look into it and get back to them. Michael Flynn was lying. The president was lying. Welcome to Flynn Ghazi. The wheels are falling off the wagon already. It's not going to be, it won't be long before the entire deal collapses. This is The Bill Press Show.